Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Hey, and a happy Monday to you. Unless you're a Falcons fan. Uh, we should be used to this by now, right? But you didn't come here to listen to me talk sports. I like to mention that all the time. Uh, you do come here to listen to me talk politics and introduce you to some interesting folks. And an interesting person I'm going to introduce you to in minutes is a new Atlanta Public Schools school board member due to be sworn in in a matter of days. And it's unusual that I would have somebody from a school board on the show, although I have tried to get the vice chair of the Cherokee County School Board to come on and speak for his anti-LGBTQ antics, but he won't. Uh, so anyway, we're going to talk with Alfred Shivy Brooks. Unique in that Mr. Brooks isn't just a new school board member. He's also a public school teacher. He has quite a story, and I look forward to introducing you to him when we talk with him a little bit later in the show. Um, there's plenty of political stuff to talk about. There's new polling out. We can look at that. Yeah, I'm going to put that off for tomorrow or another day. Uh, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger seems to be lobbing red meat at potential GOP primary voters for 2026, I should point out. He's probably going to run for governor. Uh, anyway, by wanting to add a constitutional amendment that would ban non-citizens from voting. And if I'm Herschel Walker's wife, <laughs> I'm upset about, are you aiming this at me? Why do you have to put a constitutional amendment just because I, as a Texas resident, wanted to vote and did? Uh, anyway, we all know that that's not who he's aiming that at. And I can sit here and have a discussion with you about the rights that I think non-citizens should have to vote, at least in local elections. When you pay local property taxes, even if you're renting, you don't think the landlord's eating that cost, do you? No, you're paying. Uh, you're also paying sales taxes, ad valorem, yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I kind of, you know, you're, you're paying for public utilities and streets and services and even schools. You should have a say, I would say. But anyway, Brad Raffensperger wants to uh, create a constitutional amendment for something that already is enshrined by law in the state of Georgia. That's, it's a prohibition that already exists. Whatever. We could talk about that. However, I want to stick to school. And notably, a story in the Cobb County Courier that broke this morning. A uh, friend of the show, Rebecca Gaunt, freelance reporter, writing that a tip from a whistleblower, I'm reading straight from her article, which I'll include in the show notes at ronshowetl.com. A tip from a whistleblower triggered an investigation that uncovered three employees in the Cobb County School District, and that's just the three that we know of. Anyway, these employees work in the... CCSD's main office. Anyway, these employees have ties to Gary DeMar, designated by the Southern Poverty Law Center as the extremist leader of the anti-LGBTQ hate group American Vision, based in Powder Springs, Georgia. She writes, All three are, are part of the Office Strategy and Accountability uh, Division. They are Julian Coca, Eric Rauch in the Communications Department, and the head of the office, Chief Strategy and Accountability Officer John Floresta. DeMar, Rebecca Gantz uh, writes, regularly espouses anti-LGBTQ views and advocates for a theocratic government governed by the Old Testament. DeMar supports of the death penalty for LGBTQ people as a method to keep them closeted 
was the impetus for the hate group designation. He has also voiced support for death sentences against adulterers and abortion doctors. Again, three employees in the Cobb County School District's main office have been exposed to having ties to that guy, Gary DeMar, who is the leader of the hate group American Division. To recap, Cobb County fired an elementary school teacher for reading a fairly innocuous, in fact, a very innocuous book about inclusivity. The Cobb County School District has also gone on a book-banning binge over the summer. The same Cobb County, by the way, that is voted reliably liberal, going back as far, at least, as 2016. Hillary Clinton carried Cobb County, as did Stacey Abrams two years later, and Joe Biden in 2020, and Stacey Abrams again in 2022. And yet, those results haven't made their way to the school board, and if Republicans had their way, wouldn't reflect on the county commission as well. Anyway, since we were talking schools today with a new Atlanta public school board member-elect, who was also a public school teacher, I figured, let's also point out what's going on in what is going on in Cobb County again. However, for the rest of the show, I would like to introduce you to the latest Atlanta public school board member to be elected. He is a Clayton County public school teacher by the name of Alfred Shivy Brooks. And if his name sounds familiar, you may remember that he and his wife, Crystal, lost their 16-year-old son, Bryce, when Bryce went out into the Gulf of Mexico in Pensacola to save some potential drowning victims, and he did not survive. Despite all of that, Alfred, recognizing a call to serve for others and being the parent of Bryce, a 16-year-old Maynard Jackson High School student, wanted to throw his hat, and by the way, he wears a Pharrell hat, so he may have literally thrown it, threw his hat into the ring to run for an Atlanta public school board seat. And he beat out an incumbent in a runoff to earn that seat. Let's meet Alfred Shivy Brooks. Congrats on the uh, election win, Alfred. How are you? I'm blessed. Thank you uh, so much for for having me. And and let me also, you know, clear clear the record. Uh, I, I've been elected to the Atlanta Public School Board, but I am an employee of the Clayton County Public School System. Um, oh, I interesting. Teach high school at Charles Drew High School outside of APS, but I'm a resident and citizen of the city of Atlanta. Uh, and thus ran for the Atlanta Public School Board. So that eliminates the conflict of interest part. So I can strike that question from uh, later on down the conversation. <laughs> because I, I literally thought, I was like, there could be some conflict of interest issues. But no, you are a not, not, not just a resident of the city of Atlanta, but you are also a parent who had skin in the game, literally in the Atlanta public school system. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was a you know, 13 year APS parent, uh, my, my son, Bryce Brooks, uh, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year, um, you know, attended Eastlake Elementary, attended Wesley uh, International Academy uh, and was a junior at Maynard Jackson High School uh, and should have been graduating uh, this year. So, yes, I come from the perspective of someone who is a parent. Uh, but also someone who is an active educator as well. Uh, Something we've not yet seen on the Atlanta Public School Board. So tell me how often 
he was in your ear when you were running for this office? Oh, man. Does that, does that make uh, sense? Know, yeah. My son, you know, to, to start with, my Bryce was uh, very much into graphic design, mm. and he helped to create the logo uh, for our campaign. Um, you know, and all throughout the campaign trail, you know, I, I when asked questions, especially about student engagement or student experience, you know, I was consistently thinking about, you know, what was my own son's experience like in school? Um, where where are the gaps? What are the, you know, how did the conversations play out when he shared with me uh, what he felt worked and what did not work? Uh, he'd been a guiding light and a North Star uh, for a lot of my perspectives on this thing. And being a school teacher yourself, you are going to get to bring not just the perspectives that he brought to light, but also many other kids uh, who I guess would you would consider his contemporaries uh, to uh, to a school board as well. Even though you're teaching for a different school system, uh, I want to touch on the fact that you teach economics and personal finance and government in public schools. Um, those are three subjects. Honestly, that a lot of folks who haven't been in public school for a long time, myself included, I've not been a public school student for more than 30 years, we, we think that those three subjects aren't taught well enough at the public school level. Can you touch on that? Yeah, no, I would, I would completely agree with that, that notion. Um, you know, even in Clayton County, I many times have conversations with our social studies department, um, you know, at the central office level about, you know, our civics and American government course, uh, for example, because I, I personally believe that the high voter apathy that we see when it comes to, to municipal and local elections has a lot to do with the fact that our civics curricula uh, focuses so much on the federal government, the, the three branches of the federal government, and pays very little attention to how our municipalities work, how uh, county government works, how our city government works, how our school boards work, whether or not we have a, a strong or weak mayoral system, mm -hmm. uh, who do we call for particular issues. And so we have a, a, a citizenry that graduates from high school, becomes adults, it has very little understanding about how the government we feel, the local government works. And thus, they don't understand the importance of being engaged with it, voting for it, uh, et cetera. Um, and, and I think the, the truth is the way to kind of change that has a lot to do with us being intentional about changing the curriculum to focus more on local government. Mm. Does, it, uh, does it strike you as something that many adults who don't, get to take in-depth civics courses at the high school or even the collegiate level, feel overwhelmed by the abundance of all that you do need to keep up with to be an engaged citizen? Because it's a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a lot, but it's also a lot at the, at the federal level. I mean, there's so much that goes on at the federal level in terms of the process that, you know, we really don't understand, but we at least know who the people are. And we, I think, show you know, our big media outlets that that's what we care about. Right. And to, truth be told, you know, we're not, I'm not getting a phone call from CNN, mm -hmm. right, to have this conversation. Right. I'm getting a phone call from someone like you uh, who's on the ground, who sees what's going on and feels it. Well, if we bring this same level of, of interest, of um, being able to captivate the, the attention of our local citizenry, I actually believe we would pay more attention and it would be easier to understand. You know, we, we don't get what we don't see, what we don't touch. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when we get to see it and experience it or have it explained to us, 
um, all, all the better. We do a lot of, of having conversations about uh, civic engagement um, and voter participation, but the truth is, is we need more uh, civic education uh, more than we need anything else. And I believe that will increase um, how much buy-in um, and how much accountability um, and decreasing apathy uh, that we can do. We are with Alfred Chivy Brooks, the latest Atlanta Public School Board member to be sworn in after defeating an incumbent in a runoff. He is also a public school teacher in the Clayton County system, and he teaches personal finance and economics and government civics. So I can't wait to talk with him about tempering youthful enthusiasm with the realities of incrementalism as they exist in these United States and at the local and state level of governance as well. We're with Alfred Chevy Brooks. We will have that conversation when we return here on The Ron Show, the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show. We are on with one of the newly elected Atlanta Public School Board members. He's unique in that he is actually a public school teacher himself, teaching in the Clayton County public school system while living in the city of Atlanta. His name is Alfred Chevy Brooks. So you teach young people, and here you are diving into politics yourself. Is it hard to sell uh, an active, engaging, soon-to-be or even brand-new voter on the reality that incrementalism, it ain't sexy, but it's how things get done in this country? Mm, Man, let me tell you, I think uh, maturing politically myself as a person who came from like the community organizer, uh, protester, activism kind of side... Um, I, that's something that I had to learn. Um, like honestly, because let's be honest for generation after generation after generation, we've seen very little change. And so it's, it's very easy to say, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's have a, a a complete rehaul. Let's have a complete, you know, turnaround. Let's, let's do something revolutionary. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it could be challenging to see like, you know, small incremental change or no change at all. Um, or the the possibility of change and then have it stymied out. Um, that that gets very frustrating. And I think um, for a lot of young people, uh, feeling as if no one is speaking full throated for for the positions that they share, um, or, or that people are afraid to be courageous enough to name exactly how they they feel about something and it be in alignment. That part is extremely, I think, frustrating. Um, but it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I think our systems are not designed to have quick, you know, uh, 180 type of type of change. And, you know, there's a there's a gift and a curse to that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times you you won't want that. Um, and there are times where, you know, it, it may be desired. But I think at this time and I think at all times, honestly, at all times in history, we, we really benefit most from balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've lacked balance. It's been. Uh, you know, honestly, five-year periods of pendulum swinging politically um, and, our, and our culture uh, as Americans, as Atlantans, as Georgians. Um, and I think now is a time where we, we really need to, you know, curve the, the tribalism, curve the, um, uh, the, the binary kind of yes or no's, black or whites, off or ons. Um, we, we need a little bit, of, we need some more gray. We need some more off-white. We need some more, you know what I mean? We need some more uh, things in the middle um, that that will get us there. And so, you know, it, it's hard to explain, I think, sometimes. But also, I think when people uh, can trust the intention and trust the direction, it's easier to be a little more patient. 
we're on with Alfred Chivy Brooks, one of the newly elected Atlanta Public School Systems board members. He's also unique in that he is an actual school teacher himself, something that you just don't see every day. I could sit here and talk to you about what we were just talking about, and maybe we'll just shelve that for another conversation because I, I, I could sit here and have a conversation with you about that for like 30 minutes or more. Uh, and I, I, you, you would get sick of me as a student. Uh, come on, man. You got to go to another class, Ron. Go on now. Uh, but um, let, let's, let's, let's pivot to your role on the Atlanta Public School Board as a teacher. Why, why do school boards not have a slot for teachers uh, on purpose? Do you think that that should be something that school boards should look at? Is that a, a perspective that is lacking on many school boards? Um. Yes, it is. Um, it is a a something that my run uh, has, has. It has activated a national conversation um, that teachers belong on school boards. Uh, if you were to look at a nursing board, you would not find a nursing board without nurses. You right. would not find a medical board without doctors. You would not find a dental board mm-hmm. without dentists. But you will find school boards with no teachers, right. with normalcy. Um, and, and it is one of the only arenas where you see that type of dynamic. And then you would also say to yourself, as much money as we put into education, why is it that we don't necessarily get the return on our investment? Well, it's because most of the time we have people who have never done this work before making the decisions, mm-hmm. strictly out of theory, out of good intention, but without any practical knowledge or background. Or even rigid um, ideology. Correct. Correct. Because a lot of times there there is a agenda one one way or another, whether it be a personal interest, political interest, whatever. There typically tends to be an agenda. Um, and with teachers, what I will say is nine times out of nine, the agenda is what's best for kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot explain what I deem as being unexplainable, why it is that we have this culture of school boards being governed by people who are, are not educators or don't come from the field. Right. Um, I, I, I genuinely cannot explain that. But what I am proud about is that, you know, we lobbied for two and a half years to get the law changed uh, for Atlanta public schools to allow a uh, active teacher outside of APS to be able to serve on this board. Mm. Uh, I believe we did something historic. And in that same year that we got the law changed, we Atlanta elected its first active teacher. Um, and for that active teacher to also be a black male educator, um, one who serves as the education chair for the Georgia NAACP, one uh, who is very visible in the education space as being a a voice for educators and uh, for common sense in our schools, especially here in the South. Um, I'm proud to be able to have that responsibility and I'm fully aware um, of what it means representatively for the teacher community at large. Uh, Mr. Brooks, where did Chivy come from? <laughs> uh, Chivy is a Blackfoot Indian word that means prince. Uh, when I was in middle school, a, a group of friends of mine decided we were going to be uh, rappers. Mm-hmm. And we were going to come up with, with names that uh, had a connection with our uh, indigenous American roots. And so uh, that was the name that I chose uh, some oof, 20 years ago. I was a... Uh, Freestyle Friday Hall of Famer on BET and Shivy was uh, my entertainment name. And so, uh, you know, originally I come from hip hop culture in the hip hop world. Mm. Um, and so and also being, uh, you know, one of the first active teachers to be on the school board. 
Um, one of the things that I bring is, you know, being a person from hip hop and of hip hop uh, that has now made the transition into the political world. And I think that shows the in the 50th year of hip hop, uh, 50th anniversary of hip hop, this shows uh, how hip hop has matured um, and how we are now uh, staking our claim and our and our uh, presence in the political world, too. We're on with Alfred Chivy Brooks. He is one of the newest Atlanta public school board members, also a teacher teaching uh, at uh, Clayton County Public School System, teaches economics, personal finance, and government. Seems like he's just tailor-made for the position and uh, also speaking not just to the young people but to their parents and now fellow school board members about what's going on in on the ground. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk with him a little bit more. I've got plenty more to ask you uh, now that you're going to be sworn in as a school board member and uh, how you can impact the future for Atlanta Public Schools. When the Ron Show returns in minutes on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. This is the Ron Show on America One Radio. Welcome back to the Ron Show. We're on with Alfred Chivy Brooks, newest Atlanta public school board member, also a public school teacher in the Clayton County system. I want to point to something on your website when you were campaigning. You you said that the strongest public safety plan for Atlanta is a strong Atlanta public school board system. I'm going to suggest we were just sitting here talking about incrementalism, and yet I don't I don't feel like that's something that we can be incremental about, not just in Atlanta, but uh, from coast to coast within, you know, the, the 50 United States. I think that is a revolutionary thought, and you're not the first to say it, but it's a revolutionary thought that we need to be hitting the hurry up button on. Um, yes. Would you like to touch on that a little bit? A thousand percent. I mean, listen, and another year from now, we're going to start seeing mayoral candidates city council candidates uh, putting their put raising their hand up, putting their proverbial hat in the ring. Mm. Uh, and, and the conversation is going to circulate around crime. It does every single municipal cycle. And investment in public fails. safety and prisons, et Correct. cetera, and so on. Correct. Correct. Those conversations come up every single time. However, when school board comes up, number one is very little uh, attention paid to it. But also, no one ever has the real conversation about the ability to disrupt the school to prison pipeline, the ability mm-hmm. to disrupt incarceration rates, the ability to disrupt poverty and lack of financial opportunity, especially in a city with, like Atlanta that has the lowest opportunity to uh, to have upper mobility out of poverty, which is only 4% chance for mm-hmm. a person born in poverty. Wow. Right. Um the ability to fix and remedy these issues happens through our schools. It does not happen through policing. It does not happen through incarceration. Um, in fact, there's no state in the United States of America that spends more money on education than it does incarceration. Mm. And so when I talk about this, I, I, I speak about this from a, a systemic level that at a macro level, we're not putting the investment into education that it deserves, but also at a micro level, the, the crime rates and the, the, um, the quality of life, the public safety life that we, that we experience is mostly impacted by whether or not our schools are being effective. If our children are engaged in schools, then they're not engaged in the streets. Anywhere where you see the lowest crime rates, where you see the highest per capita earning, you have some of the highest uh, quality of education. Mm-hmm. Those things are synonymous and they can no longer, uh, we can no longer just talk about how we respond and react to crime. We have to talk about the root cause, which is a school system that's not doing what it should be doing. 
So as as a teacher, as a, a parent of a public school board, a public school product, um, and as what I, I believe is something of a contemporary for kids in middle and high school, you, you bring a perspective to a school board that most school boards don't get to have. Uh, you see those as gifts instead of as uh, deficits, don't you? I do. I do. I think um, the the thing that any governmental body could benefit from is a richness of perspective and a well-rounded amount of, of perspectives, whether it be um, attorneys or parents or uh, stakeholders, um, you know, and practitioners alike. I think, you know, the, the more uh, diversity of voices that we have, um, the more inclusive the policy uh, will we will produce. So let's talk about being a, a school board member in a major city, and we, we can't pretend that we, as you touched on before, that we have uh, economic inequality issues, we have opportunity inequality issues that have to be overcome. We spend an awful lot of money. Most of the tax money that folks in the city of Atlanta pay go to Atlanta public schools. So it's not necessarily a money problem in and of itself, except that there are decades-long made uh, uh, social ill-made issues that have to be overcome. It's hard. It's hard for for the layperson to understand that. But you seem to you seem to know that going in because you speak uh, again. I'm going back to your campaign website about uh, investing in social economic support, mental health resources, strengthening community engagement, and prioritizing educational equity and access. Touch on that for me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, we here in Atlanta. Uh, spend $1.67 billion per year on education. $1.67 billion. That's $23,000 per APS student on average. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, there, there is no question that the Atlanta taxpayer um, has made a, a robust investment in our education system. The issue that we also have is that the outcomes for Atlanta public schools are second to last in the state. Mm. Um, and a big uh, part of that, that problem is the high amounts of poverty that we have, the fact that uh, we have a large population of students who are unsheltered, who have housing insecurities, yes. food insecurities, yes. um, and additional things. And then you, you further exacerbate that with uh, you know, the pandemic, um, and how it has disproportionately affected communities of color mm-hmm. uh, here in Atlanta and, and across Metro Atlanta and everywhere. Um, and so now we have to be intentional about how we are catering uh, to the things outside of academia. Uh, if, if the pandemic proved anything, is that our schools are more than just places for our kids to learn. Our schools are places where uh, young people uh, get maybe the the only two meals they might get for the day. For sure, um, where they're they're able to get, go to the clothing pantry and and get clothing, um, where they're able to get resources uh, for their families and even the adults. Um, there's so much more, and so we we cannot hold a blind eye to saying, "Oh, our purview is just teaching kids reading and math." And sometimes it's, it's the only place they even get human interaction because mom Amen. and or dad are working multiple jobs. Correct. Or or even sometimes something as simple as a hug. Yes. Um, I had a I had a video that I posted where I offer hugs uh, to the students in my class. I teach high school. And, you know, I can't tell you how many of my students have said, especially the boys, you know, I only get hugs when it's a football game or when I 
uh, perform or, or being celebrated. Just, you know, our, many of our kids don't get affection oh, or, or love from an adult. Man, just because just hug can be the existing. best. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And so that that part of it, the social emotional wellness of, of our kids, I don't say that um, without substance. I don't say that as fodder or to pander. Um, I say that because I see it every single day how many of our young people miss the warm interaction or affirmation from an adult to tell them that they are enough, that they believe in them, that they're there for them, the, 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 soft, the soft skill side, um, the human side. Um, that is a part that's missing uh, right now more than ever, more than resources. Our kids need network, they need the village, they need community, they need that restored in order to perform and, and live out to their promise. So how do you affect that? Because that's not a ledger item. That's not a budget item. That's not even something that costs a dime. So how do you affect that? How Correct. do you impart that on uh, your, your fellow school board members? It's partnerships, honestly. Uh, organizations like 100 Black Men, organizations like Emerging 100, or schools like you know Morehouse and AUC and Georgia State, tapping into... Uh, the 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 richness of of the young people uh, who are a little older than our students yeah. um, as giving them opportunity uh, to become mentors um, and being serious about it like mentorship has to become a part of how we educate uh, our young people here in the city of Atlanta um, it network changes everything um, you can't see you can't be what you don't see. Um, and for many of our young people, you know, having access to uh, the, the the great things that are happening around our city um, will be a huge difference maker. And I think with the the many community uh, relationships that I have um, and, and my ability to to be a bridge between folks with good intention and folks who have the need is going to be uh, one of the ways that. Uh, I serve this this board and this school system well to create a system of mentorship, a system of uh, uh, students having access to professional uh, networks that that will give them the opportunities that they need. It's it's more than just what we're going to do in the classroom um, that is going to help us to turn this thing around. Alfred Chivy Brooks joining us, newest Atlanta public school board member, also a public school teacher in the Clayton County system. One of my good friends is a uh, soon-to-be-retiring uh, sociology professor in uh, South Carolina, and he used to teach in the prison system. And he used to ask those that he was teaching in prison, at what age did they sort of just give up on the dream of, uh, of a viable... Uh, Upward, upwardly mobile life in the United States. And he would tell me that the answer was always somewhere between the ages of nine and 12. How do wow. you see this as a public school teacher and now can take this to the, uh, the, the road as a, uh, to the role as a school board member to work on eliminating the disenchantment that tends to occur with young people in public schools, specifically in communities of marginalized kids? Yes. Um, listen, I think before we could ever address uh, some of the academic gaps that we have, we have to address the hope gap yes. that we have. Um, you know, it, it's it's very challenging and hard uh, to get better outcomes from a young person that does that believes that all of their efforts are futile. Mm -hmm. It's very hard, and I see it all of the time. Like to 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 the to bring up what we just discussed. So many kids when you're when you're not told 
uh, if you're not affirmed, if you're not uh, encouraged, if you're not uh, told you're great on a regular basis, it's easy, especially with developmentally, how a young person's brain works. By the time they're 14, 15, 16, with where the brain is developmentally, they actually believe like the whole world, and this mm. is scientifically proven, they believe the whole world is judging them and the whole world believes they're terrible. Like the brain is literally telling itself that, and it's a delusion mm. that many young people have and believe is very, very real. And the best way to com com combat that is the, the adults, the community, the village around them, affirming them yes. uh, and letting them know how great they are. And that costs you nothing. Yep. That costs you nothing except for for care. That costs you nothing except for recognizing the human humanity of these young people. Um, but that hope gap has to be overcome. We have to build the confidence of our young people. We have to uh, change how we handle our learning environments so as to create environments that young people feel safe and comfortable failing to success. And right now, in many ways, we've not created those environments in our schools where, uh, you know, a young person feels if I don't score well on this, then, you know, that's it. I fell. If, if my grade is this low, then I have no way to turn it around. And those things over time will stamp out uh, the, the, the hope, the resiliency response, if that's a word. I'm going to make that one up today. Okay. Um, but the ability to be resilient. Um, when things don't go your way, that is a that that is a learned skill that becomes a personality trait. It literally takes a village. I love that you brought up the word village because it's been on my mind the entire conversation. It literally takes a village. We all have yes. a role in this if we decide to step forward and take an active role in it, even if we're not school teachers or students or parents, even. Correct. Correct. And, and, and that that even comes out like in the media, like to your point. Right. When will people even care about what's going on on a school board mm. if the media doesn't even care to tell you about it? Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I just want to say thank you so much for even, you know, taking the time to put to put highlight uh, on something that too many are not paying enough attention to. Well, listen, I was going to tell you, like, I want to volunteer and come speak to your class at some time. You talk about personal finance. I mean, I'm a real estate agent. I'm a realtor. I talk to grown adults that I still have to convince. Listen, you can keep paying rent all you want, but like, if you want to grow that personal, familial, uh, generational wealth, you got to figure out a way to buy a house and start there and watch that. That, that is the number one way in this country to go per, to grow your personal and familial and generational wealth in this country. It's not it's not playing the stock market all the time. It's not going out and yep. gambling or buying lottery tickets. It's buying property and and I'd love to come to talk to your class about that uh, at some point. In no, time if you I ever would I would absolutely love that. And I and I also say to myself, look, I determine my success as a teacher by how many of my students are able to purchase a house within the first four years of graduating high school. Right. That's a different that's a different metric. You're right. Uh, that than most other people look at because for me. You know, whether or not their child is an entrepreneur or they become uh, a firefighter or they go to college or they start a bit, whatever it is that they do, if they put themselves in position to have housing security mm. for something that they own, for something they own, mm -hmm. that to me is a good determining factor of how effective I've been as an educator. And I'm proud to say that I have so many dozen scores of students uh, who've been able to purchase homes in their early 20s. Yeah. Um, and and have that housing security and our building legacy. Um, and I think that that is very important because 
you know, to your point, you know, what more could we ask for than to have a stable home and food on the table every day? And the what rip- more could we ask yes. for? And, and the ripple effect that it has not just on, on that neighborhood, that street block, uh, the, the community, the next generation, the ability for that next generation to even go to college because you at least have some equity built after 10, 15, Correct. 18 years that you can draw from to send a kid to college if, if, if he or she uh, ch- chooses to do so or a trade school or whatever they want to do. Yeah, the ripple Correct. effect is so real. It's not even funny. I'm, I, Correct. I, you, you know, I, I can sit here and talk about that forever, too. But uh, again, that's another subject for another day. All right. We have one more segment. We will uh, just have a few minutes more with Alfred Shivy Brooks, the newest Atlanta public school board member, also a public school teacher. So innovative. Such a concept. We'll also give you your question of the week. Last week, who would be uh, the four on your Mount Rushmore of game show host? Uh, top four votes last week went to Bob Eubanks, Bob Barker, Wink Martindale, and Alex Trebek. Back in a sec, The Ron Show on the American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday. Decided to start a new segment last week. I thought I was going to make it a daily thing, and then I quickly realized by Wednesday, <laughs> I don't have the dedication to that, to do that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it a question of the week. And your question of the week this week, this takes me back to my radio broadcasting days when I used to manage radio stations. And this time of year, the weekends were just eat up with driving the station van, dolled up in garland and other sorts of crud to look as Christmassy as a radio station van could in all the various town parades. There was always that one Sunday too, where it was like Merle's Inlet, while I'm listening to the Falcons game on the radio or via stream, and then we'd have to haul it from there to, was it North Myrtle Beach? Anyway, we just have a lot of time in the van listening to the uh, burned CD of Christmas music with the station logo jingle and whatnot in the middle. So my question to you is, the question of the week is, what are the five, let's make it five, what are the five Christmas, or we'll make it holiday songs, the five holiday songs that you would burn on a CD knowing you had to listen to it while driving a radio station vehicle in a parade for two solid hours. Knowing you're going to have to hear those songs at least, I would say, eight times in a two-hour period. Each song, eight times you're going to have to. What are those five holiday songs that you can burn on that CD knowing, you know what? It's not going to make me want to pull my hair out. It's not going to make me want to jump out of the moving vehicle. What are those five holiday songs? Uh, give us those answers at Ron Show ATL on Twitter, uh, Instagram, or Facebook if you like. You can also email them to me, Ron, at ronshowatl.com. Okay, we're on with Alfred Shivy Brooks. He is the newest Atlanta public school board member, also a Clayton County public school teacher. I don't know about y'all, but I've always wondered why teachers aren't on school boards. He is an Atlanta public school parent, but he teaches in Clayton Public Schools, so there's no conflict of interest here. So, uh, Alfred, when do you get sworn in? So, January 8th, we we get sworn in. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Atlanta come out. I'm looking forward to seeing educators come out. I'm uh, over the past week, uh, we, we've not been uh, school board member elect for a week yet, mm-hmm. and I've had so many so many educators in person, uh, folks who live in the city of Atlanta, maybe serve in Cobb County or serve in Gwinnett or mm-hmm. uh, right here in APS, 
who have come up to me and just expressed their excitement for finally seeing a teacher have a voice on the school board. Um, it, it's I can't express to you uh, how much responsibility, but also honor I feel uh, to be able to be the first, and I know I won't be the last uh, teacher to be on that on that dais. Uh, you know, able to 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 speak up uh, for how we know uh, policy will shake out, what's real, what's actionable, uh, what's beyond us, when it's being when too much is being asked for too little return. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to speak truth uh, to power with authority, um, that's going to matter. That's going to matter. And I pray uh, that it becomes a model nationally where we start to see a wave of teachers uh, start running for school boards. It's, it's, I think um, it's necessary. I really do. I believe that that's a necessary wave uh, to, to be seen. Amen. So uh, Amen. I know you start every school year with a lesson plan on uh, how you're going to handle each and every day, probably down to the minute. But now you've got to add being a school board member, plus the commute. And I mean, you've, oh, are you, oh, are you sure about this? You sure you want to do this? <laughs> Man, listen, I, I, um, I, I do not take the, the assignment lightly. Um, I, I definitely uh, have kind of had like a, a, a deer headlight moment, uh, a time or two. <laughs> during this thing, like, oh my God. Okay. Now we got to really do this. But do. Um, if, uh, if anyone has seen me on a campaign trail and you know uh, how much I put into that, if anyone is aware of uh, how hard I go as a as an entrepreneur or a consultant to other schools or resource to other schools um, on top of being a teacher, then then folks know that, um, shoot, just like most teachers, we're more than just a teacher. Mm. It's just the world doesn't necessarily get to see it. Um, right. I, I, I'm very visible. And so folks are, are able to see it. But I have a, a, a motor um, that, that's powered by the Holy Ghost. And it, it is unworldly, but it's on a uh, full understanding of the assignment um, and, and what it is that we're trying to accomplish here. And my goal is to make the city of Atlanta the best place to educate a child or to be a teacher. Um, and so this, this for me uh, is, is about a greater mission. It's about doing my small part um, to make the city of Atlanta a better place uh, to raise a family. From your lips to reality's ears, Alfred Chivy Brooks, new Atlanta Public School Board member. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, being on the Ron Show and for for throwing your hat in the ring and, and trying to make a difference, man. I wish you the best of luck in that. Thank you so much. I'm I'm grateful for you, and I look forward to bringing you into the classroom so that you can spread your knowledge to my kids so that we can have them become homeowners sooner than later. Let's do it soon, buddy. Yes, sir. All right, plenty more to get into. However, we're coming up on the last like minute and a half or so of today's show, so we're going to have to table a lot of stuff, including uh, this, uh, another exclusive in The Guardian from uh, Gwinnett-based reporter Timothy Pratt. He wants to know, and I do too, what did Democratic Senator Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens' staff member say in a closed-door meeting to quash an ordinance that would have moved forward an effort to let voters decide on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility, a.k.a. Cop City. He reports that Councilmember Liliana Bakhtiari was about to put forth an ordinance that would have helped people get to vote on whether to build the controversial police and fire department training center. Timothy reports, in a meeting behind closed doors during the city council meeting last week, where the city councilwoman, 
Liliana Bakhtiari, was planning to introduce the ordinance, a deputy chief of staff to the Democratic mayor, Andre Dickens, objected to wording that would have made the process for handling petitions effective immediately, thus covering the Cop City referendum effort, according to a person who was in the room and spoke to Timothy Pratt on condition of anonymity. Bakhtiari returned to the meeting and never introduced the ordinance. Neither the mayor's office nor Bakhtiari returned requests for comment. Interesting. Again, unfortunately, not a lot of time to dive into that. We've got about 15 seconds left. So I want to thank uh, the newest school board member, Alfred Shivy Brooks, for making some time to speak with me and introduce himself to myself and my audience as well here on The Ron Show. We're back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. You can get show notes at ronshowetl.com.